Hello and welcome to a visit to the other side with Core Paranormal NZ. This is the 28th of March 2021. I am your host George Shields and I hope you are all doing well. First of all, I would like to mention about contacting me on any of the subjects on my shows. I thought there was a contact button available to listeners for this purpose. I have since been told that this is not the case, so that is my misunderstanding and I apologise for that. And I will put my email address in the show description. Just a bit of useless information about the weather here in Palmerston North at the moment. It's overcast, but we are still getting warm temperatures here and, and enjoying it while it lasts. This week I would like to talk about the beginning of our investigative career as a team. In particular, our first year, and some of the learning curves that the paranormal spirit world threw at us. Now, for those of you out there that have done paranormal and spirit investigating before, you will know what I mean. And for those of you out there that have not been on an investigation, I can tell you that no two investigations are the same, regardless if it's a return visit or not. Also, I would like to cover some of the triumphs and the failures in the way of figuring out how to use our equipment and approaching some of the challenges that this realm throws at us. For example, as you can imagine, there will be different, or there is different ways to set up infrared cameras. For instance, as well, the difference between infrared and full spectrum. And also, the role that conventional video equipment whether it be analog or digital, the role it plays and can play on investigations, but I will go into that in more depth later. I would like to mention some background here first. The first year of our group being formed, we carried out 45 recorded spirit investigations. At least 12 of these were revisits, as we felt those particular investigations needed to be looked into further. And these investigations ranged from family homes, right up to large hotels, 
opera houses, restaurants, other commercial buildings and properties from all over the country. And that we found in each instance the surroundings needed to be approached differently. As we found out there is more to setting up any chosen equipment than say just putting a camera on a tripod and facing it in any direction. And in saying that we found that some surroundings favoured infrared and other situations suited full spectrum. As far as identifying anomalies you may get on your footage. Other factors are how much of each to introduce into the environment while you are recording. Now one of the main things we found was dust, pollen, bugs or any other debris that may be floating around. All the aforementioned seem to take a different reflective properties with infrared illumination than it does with full spectrum illumination. Other areas we discovered we found that one can introduce too much of either in the form of extra illumination as a handheld through to the larger flood lamp, both infrared and full spectrum. We found if we were going to try and mix them, it was easy to also to overdo, to the point where at times the infrared strobed under the strong influence of full spectrum. Now some may think, well, so what? Well, one of the reasons I mention this is, this is a very important learning curve and would be for everyone viewing and understanding the footage that they're looking at and the effects. Now we did come across other investigators and their claims that they had really good footage of some of their, some spirits from their investigations. Some used the term ghosts, but I don't like that term. I think it's very disrespectful. So we would view the footage on their behalf and hope that we would give them a report. Well, the way I do it, I just tell them the way I see it and how my group, our, as, as a group, how we see it, discuss it, and the technical side of it as well, and furbish them a report that was on the video and what most of it reminded me of the effects that we had already come across when you 
uh, use your equipment that's not set up properly or if it's out of what I call balance. So that's where I'm coming from when I explain about the learning curve, even at the equipment level. Sadly to say, I have found over the years, most groups will not recognise the fact that their equipment is at fault. And in my opinion, they are not recording or recorded anything to do with the spirit world. One other lesson we learnt at the beginning was paranormal spirit investigating does not have to be done at night time. Yes, some of the equipment is designed to work better at night, but we found investigate, excuse me, <clears throat> investigating during the day to be as event, eventful as nighttime investigating. What I'm driving is that we found that conventional video equipment has a place and a role in paranormal investigating. I would like to mention that usually the data collected during the daytime investigations we carried out is more recorded response related in the form of our instruments reacting, such as proximity meter, EMF, thermal, and the like, and not so much as visual. One of the main visual anomalies we have recorded, though, during the day with our standard video equipment is the presence of rods. In fact, on research, photographers and movie makers have been recording rods, or the presence of rods, since the beginning of time, with cameras, since ever, ever since they've been invented. I don't know how far back that is actually, I forgot to have a look at that. But still these rods do come out on the film, and some of them are very, very, very... Oh, very bold. So even today, the learning curve goes on. In reflection, back in those early days, and we started, and when we started viewing our first few investigations footage that we had gathered, we were all in awe. While we witnessed all these things floating around on our footage, we soon found out that most of what we were seeing was naturally caused. So the lesson there for us in the early stage was identifying what was pollution and what was anomalous and unexplained. Also knowing what type of equipment to use in certain circumstances. At this stage, I would like to mention that I have always, even from way back to our very first investigation, which was our home, is that I still hold 
the opinion that vigils play a very important role in paranormal spirit investigations. In particular, the way individual is or the vigil is performed. Excuse me. I know there are those of you out there that like to challenge or or even harass any spirits that may be present in the hope that you will get a response. I am pleased to say that we never ever have adopted this method on any of our vigils as we feel that the harsh method is disrespectful. I'm not sure if any usable or helpful information has been gathered after one of these harassing vigils. I have seen and heard about, but I do not know. We have certain amount of success with the more calmer, respectful approach than the harsh approach. As I say, I'll just repeat myself. To me, it's it's distasteful. We have total respect for all our vigils, and that in the hope of contacting any spirits that may be present, and get a an equal return back. We don't just don't see the point in calling out anything like that. I do know there was the odd TV program a little while ago. Oh, I turned the set off. I was just, oh, just gave me the, the heebie-jeebies. Anyway, I'll carry on. As I have mentioned, we are a technology-heavy group, but we do use the sensitive side and have our group at a group a lot over the years. We have learned how to use our technology and the sensitive side together. So they do not get in each other's way. In fact, in some cases, it has helped to verify any claims as we are able to cross-reference using both technology alongside the sensitive. How many of you out there feel that vigils play an important role while investigating? I hold no special gift towards sensing any spiritual presence. I need technology to help me get into there. And my main drive for that personally is a thirst for answers and trying to explain what I have witnessed starting in our home. In fact, I did at one stage that though these people out there that claim to be psychic or sensitive as frauds. It's just the way I saw it. Well, these days I have a slightly different view on that. I have met lots of people claiming to be psychic and have come away from after meeting them thinking to myself 
that person is as psychic as my big toe. But, excuse me, there are others that I have met that have shown me that they do hold this gift. There's not very many of them, but uh, they have, as far as I'm concerned, have proven to me. Well, I think it's important to point out at this stage that all of the aforementioned, when setting out and setting up a paranormal investigation group, all these things were and are a challenge and need to be approached in an open-minded way. I don't think there would be any paranormal investigators out there that would have set out at the beginning claiming, I know it all. Well, actually, after making that statement, I'm going to have to retract that a bit. Actually, I will change that statement. I know of a, a few egos out there in the world at the moment that would make this claim. Well, good luck to them, but I think there is a lot more to it than that. Okay, putting that aside, is there anyone out there that would like to share with us about when they first set out to do paranormal investigations? Especially the things that stood out at the beginning. Maybe in the form of what the challenges were present to you and your team. It would differ, I'm sure, in different cases. I know at the beginning of our investigated career, we had public opinion against us due to certain individuals, undesirables, claiming to do the same sort of thing and left, uh, in a, left people in a, a bad state of mind. Maybe you came across the same or something else may have happened that's stuck in your memory. We would like to hear about it. I, we can put your view forward or your story forward, or you can do that yourself. I could organise you to come on as a guest on the podcast. Now, as I have said earlier, I will put my email address from well, on the description part of the show. But I will also give it out now. It's called paranormalnz at gmail.com, all lowercase. The members of the, and don't forget, the members of the public are welcome. You don't have to be in a group or a paranormal investigator. Just let me know. I will put your story forward on your behalf, or you can do that yourself. As I say, it's easy to organise an over over the uh, over the line 
interview and you could put that out there yourself. I think that's enough for this week and I hope that I have given you some food for thought. I also would like to remind everyone out there that if you are having issues with the paranormal spirit world you are and you are looking for some support or even help again you are welcome to contact me and we can deal with them together along with other listeners that may have been through the same well I would like to leave you with this in mind as the subject is inherently difficult to approach stay true to the job at hand this is George Shields for Core Paranormal NZ signing off stay safe be well, have a nice day.